Hi everyone and welcome back to Beyond Parenthood, the podcast. I'm Alyssa. And I'm Ali. And we're here to share with you wisdom about parenting. So welcome back everybody. Today we're talking about the secret to avoiding tantrums. Where to start? I mean, it's such a big topic, isn't it? <laughs> I just, I have visions in my head. You say the word tantrum and all I can think of is like standing in the middle of an aisle in a supermarket, child screaming, lying on the floor, kicking their arms and legs and you as a parent just wanting to melt into that floor and die. Yeah, and everybody's watching. All of a sudden, the noisy supermarket is deathly quiet apart from your child. <laughs> And all of a sudden you're standing there going, everyone thinks I am the worst parent in the world right now. <laughs> yeah. Judged, being judged, uh, going through all those emotions. Yeah. Yeah. But there is a way we can avoid some of those. Well, that's what we're going to yeah. talk about today. And I think probably what's really important to acknowledge is actually that tantrums aren't a negative thing. I think a lot of parents are going to yeah. sit there and go, hang on, how can that not be a bad thing? But A, tantrums are unavoidable in the sense that your child will have some tantrums when they're yeah. going through that age of, you know, commonly between, I guess the worst would be between about two and four, but it's yeah. going to happen outside of that range as well. They're going to have those outbursts because they can't regulate their emotions. Yeah, absolutely. And that area of our brain that helps to regulate our emotions isn't fully matured until we're about 20 21 years old so a child of two or three or four has got a long way to go until they get to a point of being able to rationalize and calm themselves down and control those outbursts of emotion but if we if we look at tantrums the right way if we understand why that behavior is happening and if we can start to put some measures into place to avoid them where possible, to diffuse them when they happen, and then to use each tantrum that your child has as a learning experience to start to shape that emotional regulation, we can just make the whole experience much less stressful and difficult for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the key is to understanding why, why they're happening um, trying to be on the on the front foot as well. I think that for me personally as a parent, that is, that is a huge thing. When I learned to get see something coming, uh, take some steps to prepare that so it didn't end up as a full-blown tantrum, um, then as a parent you feel a lot more in control um, and you can kind of calm yourself before anything um, starts to, you know, the emotions run high. And I think the thing that I've learned as a parent is it's so much about managing our own behavior as the parent, mm -hmm. as the person in control. And I think that's the thing that I, you know, really struggled with. And it wasn't until I could really see what I needed to be doing that I, that I kind of learned how best to kind of cope when, when things do happen. Um, because it's, it's so much about our behavior and how we respond to that so it, it's about our behavior before it gets to that so can we can we stop can we calm the little one enough beforehand so it doesn't end up as a full-blown tantrum but then if it does end up as a full-blown tantrum how do we respond to that how do we react to the child and that makes 
the most difference as to what will happen next in the story. And I think understanding our behavior and, and just being that calming, confident influence is so, so critical, but it's incredibly difficult because you either, like you say, just want to kind of melt away and pretend it's not happening. <laughs> not my yeah. child who is this that child <laughs> or you just kind of want to do the same you just want to kick and scream and and raise your raise your voice and 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 join in lay on that supermarket floor and stamp your feet um which is not the best uh, <laughs> not the best remedy but no, yeah but i think our, our, our emotions play a huge part it's really interesting that you mentioned that because I think it, it's amazing when you start to change your reaction to these situations, when you start to reframe yes. how you think about those outbursts in behaviour, you see such a difference in, in the way that your child behaves. And I think yeah. it, all of that start, that, that, reframing and thinking about kind of avoiding those situations all starts with looking at those risk factors and looking at why is your child actually having a tantrum um and really i would say there's probably two types of tantrums if you will there's those that are rooted in an inability to communicate in that intense frustration because your child just cannot make themselves heard they can't make themselves understood and that might be because they haven't yet developed the language to do that in terms of actually physically being able to speak, or it might be because they haven't got the vocabulary. Or it might be because they haven't got the vocabulary to be able to communicate their feelings and they've not been able to put a name to those feelings. Or the other type of tantrum that you'll see is when a child is pushing boundaries and often that's due to a level of insecurity that's happened. There's been some disruption in their life, there's been some disruption in the home or they're going through quite a disruptive phase developmentally which is causing that insecurity and instability and then results in them pushing boundaries. They come up against a wall when you're enforcing those boundaries. And the result of that butting heads is a tantrum. I think it's also really important as a parent to acknowledge the importance of a tantrum and importance of embracing your child showing emotions you know we want to kind of think of it like we're we're wanting to to borrow a phrase from um this book that i've got here the montessori toddler by simone davies we're allowing all emotions we're not allowing all behavior yeah absolutely and, and there there is a difference and i think we're really I don't know if that's a society thing or what it is, but we're very quick to, to try and shush a child and, um, you know, it's okay, it's okay, you know, everything's going to be fine, you know, jumping in there and actually, you know, it's not okay. They're trying to tell you something is not okay and we need to let those feelings be and let those emotions be. Now, 
no matter how uncomfortable we feel as a parent, we need to um, allow that child to express those feelings and not be so quick to jump in and oh it'll be all right you know what you know it's fine you know if they've fallen over oh you're fine get up you know it's not a problem you know it's almost dismissing their dismissing how they feel about something and it's it's very easy to do and again it's it's back to our behavior again isn't it and how we manage that and try to stop ourselves from you know the whole shh, 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 shh. oh it's fine it's fine you know don't make a fuss yeah. don't make a fuss stop making a fuss <laughs> But you do though, don't you? Even you think about with the youngest of babies, you think about with a newborn baby, when they start crying, almost all adults instinctively will go, shh, shh, shh don't cry. Yeah. Instantly. <laughs> yeah. It's our reaction yeah. that we, we can't accept that as a form of communication. We feel this yeah. need to dampen that down and, and to quiet yeah. them. And, and it, if you think about it as an adult, it makes a lot of sense. You know, if you imagine that you've... Imagine that you're going through a really terrible time with something and you're feeling absolutely rubbish and, and you're struggling and you're feeling emotional and you just feel like you're on the verge of bursting into tears and you catch up with a friend for a coffee and you sit down at the table in this coffee shop and they say, how are you doing? And you just want to go, God, everything is just awful right now. I, I'm not coping. This is happening. That's happening. You know, you might be having parenting dramas or relationship dramas or whatever else. And you, you start launching into offloading all of that baggage and telling your friend about what's going on and there's such a difference for you whether your friend says oh you'll you'll, you'll be all right that, that's okay do you want me to get you some cake i'll get you some cake Should we yeah. have coffee we'll have a coffee that'll make coffee and cake yep i'll go and get you that that'll make you feel better and they they jump up and leave the table and you're left sitting there going oh, i don't really want coffee and cake i just kind of yeah. wanted to offload everything that's going on yeah Versus if your friend goes, God, that just sounds awful. Tell yeah. me about it. Yeah. You know, that that's what you need. You need that sounding yeah. board. And if you think about yourself in that situation, you don't often want your friend or your partner or whoever to fix the problem. You just want them to allow you to offload. Yeah. Listen to what's going on and yeah. validate how you're feeling. Yeah. And at most of the time, that's enough. Yeah. And when we look at outbursts of behavior from children we need to be thinking about those things first we need to listen we need to acknowledge and we need to validate we don't need to jump in and fix the problem we don't need to jump in and try and make them feel better yeah it needs to be those three steps we listen we yeah. acknowledge and we validate yeah because trying to placate distract bribe do these things to make them feel better doesn't actually deal with that that underlying situation when you catch yourself in that moment are you going to be the friend who says that sounds awful tell me about it or are you going to be the coffee and cake friend yeah and that's kind of where you need to make that decision where you were talking about your own behavior yeah and how you deal with the situation Did and i think what's really any... interesting yeah i think what's really interesting about that as well is when um you know, when we're when we're letting the feelings be and everything else, if we if we follow through and do all, do all of that validation, um, if we look at doing the opposite, where we just kind of shush and calm and it'll all be fine and don't worry, darling, everything's all right. You know, sometimes that may temporarily solve the issue, but actually it's going to come back and get you later on because you haven't actually still worked out what what the issue is. 
Um, and the, the calming and the shushing, it's almost, you know, you're going to have to deal with this at some point. <laughs> it might be five minutes later, it could be 20 minutes later, it could be, you know, a couple of hours later, but actually at some mm. point, you know, you, you've never got to the bottom with that, with just trying to shush and calm, you've never got to the bottom of what the issue is. So when it happens again, you're just going to be in a worse situation and, and it could be even more heightened because the first time it wasn't resolved and now we're, now we're, now we're further on and now we're, you know, the problem has increased, whatever that might be. Um, so yeah, as, as uncomfortable it is, it, it needs to be, it needs to be dealt with. And I think that's the thing. I think a lot of this is about, I think what you were saying earlier is really interesting about, you know, from the moment a baby's small, we're like, shh, 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 you know, calm, calm, calm. And, um, you know, I've had several, you know, far too many to mention parents in my signing class where, you know, babies, you know, got a little bit upset, maybe it's hungry or, you know, whatever that might be. And, and you know, parents are apologising. <laughs> this is a baby class. It's fine. You don't, you don't need to apologise, you know. And then, oh, it's sort of kind of disturbing the class. No, no, no. This is, this is absolutely fine. And it's just, it's obviously something we've inherited in our, in our culture. Yeah, yeah, I think it really is. And I think it's, it's important to kind of um, think about, think about a tantrum as a teachable moment. Don't, yes. don't view it as a negative stressful experience. Think about it as a, oh, this is a moment I can seize to teach my child how to deal with this emotion. You know, like we said before, we, we allow the emotion, but we don't allow the behavior. So we can take that moment, we can help to name and acknowledge that emotion, and then we can help to instill a alternative way to deal with that, to process that, to deal with the frustration, to deal with whatever else is going on underneath. Yeah. Um, but I think what you talk about in terms of if we ignore it and if we don't deal with that situation, particularly with those tantrums that come from that intense frustration or that boundary pushing, that is only going to snowball and, and get worse the longer that we leave that, you know, it, it's... It's really like we've got a, you know, a child trying to trying to learn a skill, trying to work on a project, if you will, and we see them struggling, and we've got the right tool there in our toolbox, but we're choosing not to give it to them. Yeah. And each yeah. time they struggle and they get frustrated again because they can't do the job because they haven't got the right tool, and we've got it sitting there, but we ignore it. Yeah. We have to kind of think of it in a different way. We have to see them struggling and go, right, okay, now's the moment when I can give you the tool to deal with this. Yeah. And then when it happens again, we're going to do it again and we're going to get that repetition there yeah. so that they can really, really build on that. Yeah. And you you talked before about kind of risk factors and, and things that um, that we can start to do to not to... Um, Avoid the tantrums in terms of, I think it's really important for parents to not be afraid of tantrums. Mm -hmm. Not, and particularly, all of us as parents will know there are certain things that set our kids off. There are certain things like, yeah. you know, there's a moment, you just know if you say or do a certain thing, if you put your yeah. foot down on something, if you set a boundary, you know there's going to be a big reaction. Yeah. And it's really tempting to shy away from that and go, oh, I just, I just, I won't do it. I won't say it. I'll let yeah. that slide 
yeah. because I know the emotion that's going to come out afterwards. Yeah. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to shy yeah. away from these big expressions of emotion. Yeah. But what we want to do is try and manage those risk factors so we can catch it when it's a little expression of emotion. Yeah, absolutely. Before it gets to being a tantrum. So we're not yeah. avoiding the tantrum in the sense of avoiding that expression of emotion. Yeah. We're just stopping it escalating to yeah. that level. Yeah. And I think for most children, there's probably a couple of really key things that are going to contribute to that. And one thing that automatically springs to mind, particularly from my perspective as a sleep coach, is kids who are overtired. Yeah. Tired kids are always going to struggle, as we do as adults, with yeah. dealing with those emotions. So yeah. managing that and tackling nap times and bedtimes, you know, structuring your day in such a way that it's really respectful of their needs yeah. and sleep is just going to help keep your child on a more even keel and limit some of those ups and downs. Um, and I think the other thing that's really important, which we talk about a lot in the Rye parenting type philosophy, and it's something that Magda Gerber feels really passionate about as well, is that sensitive observation. Yes. Use that, use that technique in terms of taking the time, and, and this will come through lots of time spent with your child and lots of time quietly observing your child to pick up on those nonverbal cues that they're upset or uncomfortable. Yeah. So you can predict those little meltdowns, you can predict yeah. those outbursts, and you can jump in and just calm them down and just diffuse before yeah. they get to that irrational tantrum yeah. stage. And I think a lot of the time that's, it, it's really simple, but I think in our, you know, we've talked about this before, in our busy, overscheduled lives that we all lead, that the simplest of things like a small observation can can go amiss i'll give an example remember when my youngest um we were in town and he was in the buggy and it was winter so it was freezing outside and of course the shops are absolutely boiling hot and i could just um he was facing outwards and i could just i just had a sense that <laughs> something was wrong um, and there was more fidgeting going on. You know, I could see all this fidgeting going on in the buggy. And I just thought, do you know what? I kind of really, I really need to get on, but I, I know that something is occurring. So I just need to kind of stop. Um, and I just kind of put the brake on the buggy. You know, and like I say, he was front facing. So I went round, you know, asked him what was wrong. Um, and, you know, obviously I'm using signing. Um, and he just signed to me that he was hot. And I thought, yeah, because it is hot in the shop. I've undone my own coat. I've taken my gloves off and I've taken my hat off and I haven't actually done any of that for you or helped you do any of that. So there you are in a boiling hot shop in your buggy with a thick coat on and, and a hat on and your mittens. And yeah, you're going to be hot. So just kind of remove those things, undid the coat. Uh, happy days. <laughs> But if I'd have just carried on and just pushed on, which was quite tempting, let's come on, let's, you know, let's finish the job, let's just get done, then that would have, that would have you know, ended up in a full-blown tantrum. And I couldn't have blamed him because it was probably sweltering hot. And like I say, you know, I'd, I'd already unzipped my coat and taken my hat and gloves off um, yeah. and, and hadn't done the same for him. So he had absolutely every right to start fidgeting and being uncomfortable. Yeah, and that's one of those situations where 
when we talk about tantrums being based in an inability to communicate, using something like signing with children of any age is so valuable because we're taking a child who doesn't have um, either the speech skills full stop or doesn't have the vocabulary to communicate how they're feeling or what's going on and we're introducing this tool that even the youngest of babies can use to communicate those emotions so we're just eliminating that frustration yeah. we're just taking away that that cause there um yeah. did you like have you had um difficulties with tantrums with your boys do you, do you feel like you've kind of had to deal with well, it's quite interesting because my eldest, um, def definitely not. They were very, very far and few between. And um, the most of them, if they did exist, were around boundary pushing, which I think is, you know, which is kind of normal. You know, they, they, they're looking to push that button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But I mean, because of the signing, we never had any issues around the tantrums of, you know, being hungry, being tired, because they were able to kind of communicate that through signing, which which is brilliant. But but my youngest is a is a is a definite different temperament. Um, the signing has still helped, um, but more definitely more boundary pushing. And I'm I'm aware with my youngest, you know, when he even now, you know, he's seven. But but even when he was small, that I have to be so on it early <laughs> you know those key observations I just have to be there before it turns into something um and I think you know the nature of you know a second child as well um you know follows the follows the older one's schedule you know oh it's school pick up you know and you're trying to do a sleep and a nap time and all of that and oh it's school pick up for the eldest so right we've got to dash off and do that and oh the eldest has got swimming so come on off you go and it, it's hard, you know, I think it's hard when you're trying to manage, manage a schedule uh, with, with two children who have, you know, who have completely different needs. And I think that's probably why we experienced more, um, yeah, because that yeah. kind of, that balance of trying to get that balance between the two of them and, and managing the needs across both of them. Um, but I think what's really interesting with, the, with what you're saying about, you know, the signing, giving giving help to tantrums I think your example of the coffee shop um I always say to, I always say to parents that you know when your little one's having a tantrum when they're older so they do have the ability to communicate so maybe you know we're talking three and four year olds and they have that ability to speak and, and you know they have good verbal communications and and can say what they want if we just go back to that coffee shop, you know, there might have been a time in that coffee shop where you can't get your words out because you're so upset. Uh, you know, it's all a bit of a stumble and there's tears and everything else. And you just feel you can't find the right words at the right time because you're so upset. And the same goes when you're really angry about something. You know, often it's just, you know, waving of hands in the air and pulled <laughs> mm -hmm. faces because you just you haven't got words. You're so cross that there are no words that fit in. And I always say to parents, imagine what that's like for your child, because that, that is exactly that feeling, um, that they can't get their words out because they're so, so emotional over it. Um, and that's where obviously signing can help because they can then revert to their signs um, if they need to. And we do often find that babies who have signed and carry on signing 
you know, as young children, when they are really upset, when they are really poorly, when they are frustrated and cross, they will often refer back to their signing that, haven't, that they haven't needed to use for some time. It's a, it's a, and I've seen it definitely with both of my, both of my children. There was an example where my eldest was extremely upset about something. He was um, about seven or eight at the time, really, really upset about something that happened at school. And he came in and he just signed to me what the whole problem was without speaking because he just felt so emotional that he couldn't couldn't get his words out. Uh, and he was, you know, seven at the time. So it's, it's a very powerful tool that can that can be used long term. Yeah. And, and that's something that we need to think about giving our children as parents. We're, we're giving them those tools to not only identify and deal with those emotions but also those tools to express those emotions yeah and i think where you talk about our behavior it's really important to think as parents that it's okay for us to have outbursts it's okay for yeah. us to lose control of our emotions yeah. and particularly in front of your children and i would actually go so far as to say it's important to lose yeah. control of your emotions in front of your children yeah. because when you have those outbursts when you're frustrated when you're sad when you're really emotional about something that's a teachable moment for your children what's yeah. important there is not that you are the perfect parent and you never lose your cool what's important is that you you lose your cool they see you calm yourself down and then you go to them afterwards and you apologize if you feel like you need to and you explain to them how you were feeling and what's yeah. going on and you might take the time to say to them you know I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. This is how I was feeling and what was going on. Next time I'll try to, and then give them that, that tool, give them that example of a different way that you could have coped with that situation because that is going to be such a teachable moment for them as well. And it, I found similar similar things with my oldest as, as what you talk about, that we... We didn't really ever have anything in terms of a classic tantrum and maybe some of that was to do with the communication and the signing things as well. But I think what I would also highlight to parents is sometimes you might not have a child who is a tantrum prone child in terms of the, the screaming and the stamping the feet and that really classic sort of behaviour. But what we're talking about here in that theory also applies to just any emotional outburst. You might have a child who is very sensitive and prone to you know just being inconsolably upset when they get to that point where they're crying so hard they're struggling to catch their breath they're really really upset about something yeah. and that for them that's their outburst it might not look yeah. like a classic tantrum per se um but what we talk about in terms of mitigating the risks and managing the behavior applies the same to anything where your child is out of control of their emotions whether that yeah. be through upset or whether that be through yeah. anger or frustration it's those situations where they're out of control of yeah. those emotions um and i think what's really interesting as well i don't know if you've noticed this with i mean obviously your youngest is still really really young at the moment but what i what i noticed with my two is that not only did the tantrum sort of manifest themselves differently, like you're explaining, but actually how, how they wanted to be calmed and how they wanted me to respond has been very different with both of them. So um, my eldest was very much a, you know, I'd now like a cuddle, 
you know, I now want to feel secure in your arms and I want to cuddle and I'm, I'm ready for all of that. Yet my youngest is, no, you just kind of keep clear until he's ready. And then when he's ready, he will come. Um, so I'm very much a kind of, I'm here. I'll, you know, wait outside your room if it, you know, if the, or the room that the, wherever it's happening, I'll wait. And when you're ready, you know, I'm, I'm here for you. And it's, you know, that's, that's, I think that's really important because I think I've had quite a few parents in classes where um, their first child has been what I've just described as my second child is. And they have observed other parents, you know, with their children hugging each other, you know, moments after the tantrum. And I think, you know, some of those parents have felt, oh, well, my child doesn't want me anywhere near them, you know, and I've, I've been quick to sort of explain to them, don't worry, you know, they all deal with this differently. They're all individuals. And, you know, you just need to, you know, adapt your approach to whatever suits that, that child. And that, that was a huge, huge learning experience for me because like I say, complete opposite ends of the spectrum. One, you know, oh, still sort of halfway through crying and everything. I want cuddles. The other ones, no, you know, don't go anywhere near. Just wait safely by the side of where it's happening and they'll come to you when I'm ready. And it's a different, a different approach. And I think it's really important for parents to know that some children are like that. And that's, that's great. That's fine. That's just the way that you need to, to deal with that slightly differently. And I think that's why it's important when your child is having an outburst like that, not to rush in to fix it. Yeah. I, I think when when you think about, you know, the step-by-step approach, I guess, to dealing with a tantrum, to dealing with an outburst, the first thing that you always want to do is, is create a safe space. Make yes. sure your child is in a space where not only are they physically safe, particularly if their outburst is more physical, but also an environment where they're emotionally safe Yes. So it may well be, you know, if you are in the middle of a supermarket, you might just abandon your trolley there and you might just walk them outside and go and sit in the car. You know, just, yeah. just take them to a space where they can feel safe. And we're not dragging them by the hand and punishing them and telling them to be quiet. We're just gently taking them, right, let's just go out to the car. Let's just take ourselves away from that environment where we're pressured and there's people staring at us. We're both feeling really conscious of how we're behaving and put ourselves in a safe space. And then secondly, just as you were just talking about, to just not um, not force yourself on the child, you know, don't don't say, oh, come here, let's have a hug, or let's do this, let's do that. Just sit nearby and tell them that you're there. Yeah. Right, you know, and just, just a simple, I'm here if you need me. Yeah. Come and see me if you want a cuddle. And just sit there and yeah. don't... Don't engage, don't get frustrated, don't try to placate them, to get them to communicate what's going on, just be there with them. Yeah. And that, that will be a real game changer in terms of tantrums because what often really escalates that behaviour is when we try to turn the whole thing into a dialogue and then they're raising yeah. their voice and we're raising our voice and yeah. suddenly it just becomes this sort of thing yeah. we just want to be there quietly sit yourself down on the floor next to them i'm here if you need me yeah and, and, and that, that is not the point to have the dialogue is it they need that they need that space and actually i you know i i use that for me as well you know to kind of okay let's just get myself in order <laughs> Some, some deep breathing myself so while they're while they're calming themselves down I'll, you know I'll do the same and you know they are they are looking for 
you know, despite what some people think, you know, they think, oh, you know, what are they looking for? They're looking for you to be confident. They're looking for you to be in control and you need to be calm because like you say, if you start a dialogue in that situation, all that's going to happen is the bar gets raised. Uh, yeah. And I just think, you know, one raises and then the other one raises up and then it raises up and then you, you go through it all again. Whereas actually if you can be the, the calming influence and actually use that time you know because it is hard you know it's really difficult um i have a i have a very short temper i've i've learned as a parent how short my temper is i have amazing patience of an angel with everybody else's children (laughs) but not my own uh so i would definitely use that as an opportunity to to take a breath and actually just gain control of my of myself before even trying to you know have a dialogue yeah definitely and i think that really needs to be what you think about when your child's having that moment we we create that safe space we sit down there with them and just be there tell them that we're there for them and then we allow them to express that emotion to calm down and then we start that that dialogue then we start to think about actually getting to the root of the problem but there's a theory which i find as a parent is just an absolute game changer when it comes to tantrums and it's thinking of a tantrum like a train going through a tunnel so your child is the train and the tantrum is the tunnel and when we talk about not trying to placate distract have those discussions while they're in the midst of that that red mist if you will while they're really upset or while they're in that rage it, it is exactly like that train going through a tunnel once that train has entered that tunnel there is no way out but through yeah. <laughs> so you trying to placate, distract, calm them down, have a conversation, that's like trying to get a train out of a concrete tunnel in the middle of the yeah. tunnel. It's just not going to happen. They need yeah. to go through. And all you need to do is be there and keep them safe and allow them to go through that tunnel. And once they've emerged on the other side, then you can have that conversation. I, I want to share here a super tip, which I found so helpful as a parent, for those moments when your child is inconsolable and really struggling to calm down, can't get their words out, you know, tears, catching their breath, etc., etc. Really simple thing, get them a drink of water. Yes. It's, it's the most basic thing, but it is an absolute game changer because they can't cry hysterically or scream or anything else when they're drinking. And it instantly yeah. forces you to slow your breathing down. Yeah. And just to calm down. And I use that on such a regular basis with my oldest. Whenever she's having a moment where she's really struggling to regulate her emotions, first thing I do is just go and get her a drink of water. Yeah. And I just come to her and say, just have a big drink of water, and then we'll chat about it. And yeah. instantly, it just diffuses, just calms yeah. down, forces her to just slow down her breathing and calm herself and just kind of helps that train through that tunnel. So that yeah. would be my best advice to parents. I think that is such a good, that's a brilliant a tip, game changing tip there. Um, yeah. But it's, it's really important when you're in that situation, think about that train, think about that tunnel. Yeah. Don't try to pull the train out of the tunnel, just yeah. be there with your child, let them express that emotion. And then once they've come through and they've calmed down, that's when you want to think about having that open dialogue, thinking about, can you help them name those emotions? Yeah. Um, and where we talked about before, you know, that's when you want to 
you want to validate those emotions even if you may not agree with them even if you may not feel the same but you want to validate and acknowledge that you can see how they may feel the way that they're feeling yeah and then you can talk to them and i think often particularly as children get older it's quite valuable to not like we said before not jump in with a solution but just almost do as if you know imagine your stereotypical therapist on a tv show <laughs> people, people go to therapy and they never get answers to their problems what they get to, is a therapist saying to them what do you think the problem is and what should you do about it yeah. and that's kind of a really good role to play when you think about tantrums that yeah. coming in and saying to your child this is what you should do this is how you should feel this yeah. is what you should do next time doesn't always go down very well but sitting with yeah. them and saying how did you feel and and what made you feel like that yeah what would make you feel better how could we do things differently just posing some of those questions yeah age appropriate to your child and just let them talk through what's going on so we're teaching yeah. them that process of rationalizing and coming up with a solution for themselves we don't actually need to fix the problem for them yeah and i think it's giving them time as well to do that i think that's that's really really key uh we're very keen like i was saying earlier to rush off to the next thing oh we're done with that lovely right brilliant next um and certainly with you know certainly with older children i know with my two just giving them that time and and in the end they talk themselves around actually <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah uh giving them that time is is critical because they will often solve solve the situation themselves exactly and then not only have we saved ourselves the difficulty of coming up with a solution but we've also taught them how to fix that problem for themselves so we're once again we're, we're encouraging encouraging that independence and we're we're helping them to help themselves we're not absolutely we're not doing it for them we're just guiding them in the direction and just giving them giving them some pointers if you will to kind of nudge in the right direction towards finding that solution for themselves yeah and and helping their emotions for for the future so when it comes around again um we we're raising emotionally intelligent children which is you know what we all what we all dream of exactly exactly well thank you everyone for joining us i hope that you found that helpful you've picked up some tips that you feel like you can implement with your own children um, don't forget to join us for our next episode next week but thank you for listening to beyond parenthood the podcast with your hosts, Alyssa Pemberton and Ali Hobson. If you'd like to know more about what we do, you can head to www.beyondparenthood.co.uk.